In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, Word of God, reveal more of yourself to us through your presence in the Bible. Led by the Holy Spirit, guide our time of reflection. May it increase our desire for you in the Scripture and in the sacrament. Amen. Welcome back to Sunday Setup, the weekly podcast show that prepares you for the readings you'll hear at Mass this Sunday. Happy New Year! As we begin the season of Advent, we've entered into year B of the Church's three-year cycle of readings. Our first reading is taken from the prophet Isaiah, and this prophet's readings are very common throughout the Advent season. There's so much we could say about our first reading, but I draw our attention to the similarity of this passage with a sort of genre at the time that we might call a psalm of lament. It goes like this. The speaker first recalls what God has done in the past. Then the speaker acknowledges that people have sinned, and yet meanwhile implores God to act once again despite this. That's what we see here. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. And yet all the while the people of Israel have become like polluted rags on account of their sin. But this passage breaks from a normal psalm of lament in one area. Normally, a psalm of lament will conclude with an assurance that God will indeed act on account of the people. Here, no such assurance is given. The people ask God to rend the heavens and come down, and yet the possibility of this happening is left open. Our second reading is the very beginning of St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Corinth back then was a bit like how we might consider Las Vegas today. It was a place people went to for wild vacations. A place to loosen up the necktie, let your hair down, and have a few days of wild living. Except Corinth was, was actually way worse even than this, especially on the sexual promiscuity side. Nonetheless, Paul traveled to Corinth on his second missionary journey and actually found success among the Gentiles in establishing a Christian community there. A couple years after that first founding, he's now responding to both questions and situations that have arisen with his first letter to the Corinthians. Yet I want to give some backstory on writing a letter in the ancient world. Just as today, when we're writing a letter and we follow a certain structure, so too was there an accepted structure to writing a letter in the ancient world. It would go like this. The author was named, then the intended recipient, then a word of greeting. After that followed a wish of good health, and then finally some words of thanksgiving. We see St. Paul following this in the first verses of his first letter to the Corinthians, except in two ways. First, he makes a change to the typical word of greeting. Customarily, a letter's greeting in the ancient world would be just one word. And actually, that word itself was greetings. The letter of James, chapter 1, verse 1, contains this greeting of greetings. But Paul takes this greeting of the Greek word kadis, which also means grace, and adds airene, peace grace and peace, together with a very important preposition, from, grace and peace, from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, since God really is the only source of true grace and peace. Continuing our look at the opening of the first letter to the Corinthians, the second thing that Paul does to break from conventional letter writing of his time is that, after offering a greeting, he omits the wish for good health. Rather, he jumps right to the thanksgiving. He's thanking God for the charismatic graces and gifts the community at Corinth has received. Verse 5 shows us these were gifts of speech and knowledge, likely manifesting as the gifts of tongues and prophetic words of knowledge. But here too, as with grace and peace, Paul acknowledges that these gifts come from God. It is the grace of God bestowed on them in Christ Jesus, which has been given. Finally, we have the gospel reading. 
And the place in which this story occurs in Mark's gospel is very important. In the 13th chapter of Mark's gospel, where this passage occurs, Jesus has already entered Jerusalem for the Passover which will lead to his passion and death. He's teaching his disciples on the Mount of Olives, and he's telling them a story about a man who leaves and places people in charge of his property. The point is to remain vigilant at all times. Yet here's the detail not to miss. After Jesus tells this story, the events of Good Friday rapidly begin to unfold. And not long after Jesus tells his disciples this story, just 30 or so verses later, the disciples are with Jesus in the garden and begin to fall asleep. It is almost as if Jesus' story here to the disciples about the need to stay awake foreshadows how they won't stay awake in the Garden of Gethsemane. Think of it like when, in a movie, someone leaves home and her parents say, now don't get into any trouble tonight. We all know that when she leaves home, she's getting into trouble. Same thing here. Jesus tells his disciples, stay awake and be ready, which already sets the stage for when, in the Garden of Gethsemane, they start to fall asleep and are not ready. So that's it. That's your Sunday setup for this week, the first week of Advent of Year B. May this knowledge of the story behind the scripture allow you to encounter Jesus Christ in a new way this weekend. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.